We will pick up kind of where we were at two weeks ago and in our, in our walk through Matthew. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. I've been walking through the book of Matthew for the last, I don't know, month and a half or so. Starting right before Christmas time. Just kind of started with Christmas and just kept on going. I think it's working out well. Um, so we left off with the fasting and prayer of Jesus, right? As he broke down and, and was taken off into the wilderness alone and spent time fasting 40 days and satan tempted him and tried to get him to turn on god and thankful for us all he said no and just obeyed what scripture told him to do right is that something we can all look forward to doing in our walk with him is to be obedient and use scripture to come at the devil as he comes after us we're going to pick up today in matthew 4 um 12 through 17. So I'll give you guys a second to get there. And, and this is kind of the right after that prayer time and that fasting time where Jesus was alone. It's kind of picking up in the beginning of the ministry time of Christ. So we start in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. It says, When he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth behind and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, and in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, along the sea road beyond the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light, and for those living in the shadow land of death, light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for once again letting us uh, just come before you today, Father. Father, we in no way deserve to, to even be in your presence, Father, but you have called us there. Father, I pray that each person here, Father, that you would just speak directly into their hearts today, Father, as, as your message is given to them. Father, I pray that you would just help us to focus on, on what it is that you have planned for each of us individually, Father, as you speak to our hearts. Father, change us in a way that's never been done before in our hearts, Father. And just protect us and focus our minds on you today, Father. We praise you and we love you in every name. Amen. All right. So, Jesus withdrew to, to the area of Galilee when he heard John the Baptist had been arrested. Right? We all know that it doesn't turn out well for John the Baptist from this point on. Uh... He ends up spending, I think, the rest of his life in prison, and it's a very short life at that. He, he ends up getting beheaded by the government because he was preaching a, a word that they didn't like, right? And that was to repent. You, right? We left him a few chapters ago, and he he had told the, uh, call them brood of vipers. Right? That's not a, a nice name to be called if you're a religious leader, to be called a brood of vipers. Right, to be called snakes and serpents, which we all consider serpents pretty evil, right? And that's kind of what he was saying. What caused you guys to leave and come out here from that as a brood of vipers? You guys were evil. You focused on the wrong things. Repent today. And that, that message ended up getting him in trouble. So when Jesus heard that he had been arrested, he left and went. went. And, and so this was to fill from the passage of Isaiah Chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and it says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, 
But in the future, he honored Galilee and the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Okay, so Matthew's quoting from Isaiah, saying that this was fulfilled here. Like Jesus left and went to Galilee in order to fulfill what God had already promised, all the way back in Isaiah. And we've seen all these different things as we've walked through this book of all the different things from the Old Testament to translate already into Jesus' life. And it's just so cool to me, and as we, and I've said this before, it's just cool how God pre-planned everything thousands of years in advance for his coming glory. Right? And, for, and for us not to realize that what God provi uh, provided for Jesus through Isaiah all the way through, it's still coming for us today, even 2,000 years after Christ died and rose again. Right? Those promises didn't change all the way through. God's love is never failing. It's always there. And he has a plan from the beginning to the end. And nothing can stop it. Isn't that great to know? That, that no matter what we do, we can't stop God's plan. Because he has a plan. And nothing can change it. But as we read through this, uh, those in verse 16 there it says, People who live in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the shadow land of death, light has dawned. So I kind of will look a little bit closer at that, little, that verse there. And so it says, The people who live in darkness. Do we know people of today that live in darkness? I mean, just think about the world that we live in today. Right? I mean, it's, it's dark around us. We don't have to go very far to find darkness in our world. I mean, we probably step out the front door and there's going to be darkness out there at this church. And, you know, there may be some darkness here inside, inside the building also in some of our lives. Yeah. I mean, it's great around us. Marriage problems, drug and alcohol addictions, abortions on demand, children being raised by grandparents, workaholics, right? And that's just to name a few of the things that are darkness in our world. And we could probably go on and name more. We got COVID, we got mask rules, we got government sanctions, we got <laughs> politics. All this stuff is just dark and dark and dark around us. So it's not hard to find that darkness. And so even here in America, that we consider a great nation that, that started off as a nation trying to honor God, there's still so much darkness. And it seems to be getting darker at times than ever before as we pull away from God. So for some, of, for some people, the darkness is so great that they could never turn to God for their answers. You know, for people who are believers in Christ, that seems like a crazy, crazy thought that we can't turn to God. I remember when I was doing uh, my internship with counseling as a, while I was working my master's, I was counseling a young lady and she was going through a lot of tough stuff in her life. She, had, she was trying to get out of uh, drugs, and life just wasn't going well for her. And I asked her about church. She goes, I can never go back to church. I've done so much bad stuff. I've walked so far away from God that there's no way he'd ever want me back. And, and I had the great opportunity to tell her, that's not true. Well, it's happened at that time. I was working on a sermon for the for a church there, uh, how God used people who had made dumb mistakes. 
I mean, think about our Old Testament leaders, some of the stuff they did. I mean, David, a man after God's own heart, how many times did he make stupid mistakes and walk away from where God was at? You know? Joseph, he was very high on himself for a while there. God had to humble him. You know, look at Jonah, who completely disobeyed God's rule and went the opposite way from where God wanted him and ended up in, the, in a whale. All right, we think of Saul. He was a murderer of Christians. And God grabbed him and changed his life and changed him to Paul. Right? We have all these, these faith people that we, that we look at as godly men, but they all had a fall somewhere in their life. And they did things that were against what God wanted, but God still loved them. We can think of Peter, as we're going to get to him at some point in time in this book, right? Who denied Christ three times while Christ was going to the cross. And God's response was after he came back to life, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. God is a God of second chances, and, and third chances, and fourth chances, and fifth chances. Right? But there are so many people who because of the darkness of their life, they feel like they can't look back to God. And that's just heartbreaking in our world today. So, so what do people do that do that? They turn to other things. Right, people turn to drugs and alcohol, alcohol. Why? Because it makes them forget the pain of the world. Right? Or any other addictions they have. It, for that momentary pleasure, they forget the world around them and the pain they're in. And for just a moment... They forget the darkness, but it comes back. It doesn't take care of the darkness. It just comes back normally worse than it was. You know, the world tells us to follow your heart. I've watched the Disney movie lately. Right, it's all about following the heart, following, do what the heart says is the right thing to do. Go where it says to go, right? Follow your dreams, Normally, those things lead us to darkness. Because unfortunately, heart is evil. And it's against God for the most part. We allow the world, the influence of the world to be the guide. Right? We look at the news and see what everything it says is the right thing to do. And you can't say certain things about certain people because that's not nice. Uh, even though they're caught up in a life full of sin. Uh, we can be who we want to be, not who God created us to be. That's the way the world tells us. And, and all these things that people do, it allows for a momentary relief, but it doesn't go away. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. People will make major changes about themselves physically, mentally, when what they really need is God to change their heart. I, would, uh, I know teaching in the middle school level is one of the toughest age groups for kids. It's the time when people try to figure out who they are 
right? We go from being a child to that middle time of be, becoming an adult. And that's the time when we get to figure out who we are. And unfortunately, they're told who they are by what movies they're watching, what their friends are telling them they are. When the reality of it is, is the person who needs to tell them who they are is the God who loves them, the God who created them. And they lose track of that. And it's so hard watching kids as they struggle with those things, especially in today's world when they're told, if you're not a certain type of person, then maybe you should change who you are. Right? If you're not manly enough, maybe you should become somebody else. If you're not feminine enough, maybe you should become somebody else and just change your identity rather than being who God created you to be. And it's heartbreaking to see people look in the darkness and say, that's where I need to be at, instead of looking at the creator of the universe. But that's unfortunately where a lot of people are. And that's what we're talking about here, people who live in, live in darkness. But then it goes on. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light. Right? We have seen a great light. Help has come. Right? It's the, the darkness doesn't last forever. There's a dawn that can happen. You know, the, the, light sh the light will shine, it can shine on those in the darkness. And, and for us, that's the gospel. Right? The gospel of Jesus can come into people's life and change their lives if they will allow it. See, Christ is the light that fills this world. Just, just think of how different a room is with the light on versus the light off. Right? I know when I walk from one side of our house to the other, I want to turn the lights on because I don't know what pitfalls are going through from there. I never know where a random Lego is going to be sticking up and I'm going to step on it and hurt myself. Right? Or a random piece of furniture. Somebody moved, I'm going to trip over and fall. So I need that light on so I can see what pitfalls are there ahead of me. See what dangers are there. And if we live in this world of darkness and we just allow that darkness to sit there, we don't know where the pitfalls are in life. But with Christ, he'll turn that light on and we can see, oh, I can't go there, that's bad. Oh, let me go this way instead, it's safe over here. It's where God wants me at. John 8, 12, Jesus said, um, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, talking to the disciples. It says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right? Jesus doesn't just shine the light. He is the light. Right? Where he is, it shines. Right? Where Jesus says no darkness can be, no sin can enter into his presence. And that's where we need to be. That's where we want to be. Right? We don't want to be following into the darkness and allowing the world to tell us all these things. Jesus says, I am the light. Come to me and you can see what you need to be. You can see what you, who you are and who I created you to be. And it's so great to know that Jesus is the light of the world. And he came to save us and protect us. And it finishes off that passage. It says, in the shadow land of death, light has dawned. 
dawning of the light. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I picked up a new house on my bus route. And I went over the day before and I looked at it, kind of figure out where I'm going to be at, how to back out of the driveway, see if it was a good spot to, because driving the bus and backing it up is not the easiest thing in the world some, on these, some of these country roads. So I wanted to figure out where I need to be at. Well, I did that in the daytime. So the next morning I go out and I pull up to the driveway. It's pitch black outside. I pull into the driveway and as I'm backing up, I thought, wait a second. Was there a mailbox back there? I can't remember. I couldn't see. It was dark. So I had to yell back to one of the kids in the back and say, hey, is there a mailbox? But yeah, you almost hit it. Okay. <laughs> so I had to pull forward and I had to walk around. I couldn't see. It was dark. When I went back that afternoon... It was a lot easier because there was light there. I could see what was going on. I could see around everything. But as, as the next week has progressed, it's gotten a little bit, the dawn is starting to come a little bit earlier. Thank goodness. So now I can see that dawn, the sun rising a little bit, and the dawn is allowing me to see more safety there. I don't have that potential pitfall of hitting a mailbox now because I can see what's there. And that's what this, this passage is saying. In the shadow of the death, in the darkness, light is dawning on the world. We're moving closer and closer to Christ's return. Right? That sinful era is being shown to us. There's no reason for people to live in darkness anymore. God sent his son that we can have light. There's no reason for the people around us to live in darkness. We can share the light with them. But we as Christians must allow God's light to penetrate our lives, right? And not just penetrate our lives, but then to overflow back out of us, right? Think about it nighttime. Is there light in the darkness? When the sun's down, is there light? The moon, Right? Some nights that moon is bright and we can see a lot of stuff around us. It's not as bright as the sun, but that moon shines bright on us at times. Right? What causes the moon to shine? It doesn't have a light source of its own, does it? No. It gets all its reflect all its brightness comes because the sun hits it. The sun shines on it so brightly that it reflects back to the earth. And gives us light that we can see. So as Christians, as followers of Christ, when the light hits us, is it reflecting back off of us to the world around us? So that others can be pointed back to Christ. That others can see him. Because the light's bouncing off of us. We don't have that light source in ourselves, right? Right? We only get the source from Christ. And if we're not staying inside, outside that reflection where, he can, where we can be seen and it bounce off of us, we're failing. Because there's some nights when the moon doesn't shine very bright. When, it's, when there's not a direct light line between it and the sun. And the earth is covering up part of it. It's a lot darker those nights. So we need to make sure we're staying in God's word so that that light can penetrate us, overflow out of us, and allow others to see him. But then it goes on from there. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. 
Repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. What does repent mean? Let's look at Joel chapter um, chapter 2. And we'll see a little bit about some repentance. Okay, I'm going to look at verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip to uh, verse 12 through 17. It says, Blow the horn in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the residents of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. In fact, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and dense overcast, like the dawn spreading over the mountains. A great and strong people appear, as never, such as never existed in ages past, and will never again in all generations come. Let the residents tremble. Okay? The darkness is great. But then it goes on in verse 12. It says, even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassion, compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in faithful love. And he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent. What, and leave a blessing behind him so that you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God. Blow the horn in Zion, announce a sacred fast, proclaim an assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even those nursing at the breast. Let the groom leave his, the groom leave his bride bedroom, the bride her honeymoon chamber. Let the priest and the Lord's, the Lord's ministers weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, Have pity on your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace. A son of scorn among nations, why should it be said among the peoples, Where is their God? Right, verse 13 there really points to the, what repentance is. Or, um, 12, 12 and 13. It says, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. All right. Turn to me. Right, that's an action. Right? For, for peoples who are not following God, it says, turn to me. Turn back to him. Right? And not just say you're going to do it. It says, turn with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. It goes on, tear your hearts, not just your clothes. If you, have, if you remember in uh, the book of Jonah, when Jonah finally obeys and he goes to Nineveh and he tells the people that they're going to be destroyed. And the king of Nineveh, who's a very, who was a very ungodly man, said, wait. And so he tore, he tore his clothes and he sat and put on sackcloth and satin ashes, right? Tore the, he made a physical outward showing of tearing his stuff and said, I'm going to obey and just hope that maybe he'll turn and relent from us. Relent from this pain. Now here it says, tear your hearts, not just your clothes. Right? Don't make just an outward action. Make it inward. It should break your heart that you're not obeying. It should break your it should tear you up that you're not being obedient to what God's calling you to do. Just tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God. There's the turn again, right? 
Turn to him with all your heart. Tear your, tear your hearts and return to the Lord. Repent. Why? Because he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in faithful love, and he'll relent from sending disaster. So this is the, the message Jesus was preaching. He says, I'm here. It's time to repent. It's time for the people to turn back to God in a way that they've never done it. It's not just about making this outward sign and cleaning the outside of a cup and leaving the inside dirty. Change from the inside to the out. Change everything about you. And so this wasn't just a call to repent for salvation. Right? That's important. Right? That's the first step in following God is salvation. That first repentance of realizing you're sinful and asking God to forgive you. But this is a but this repentance needs to be done daily, minutely as we have sin in our lives, right? Because we all know while salvation's a one time thing. We know our old nature still creeps back in and causes us to sin. And we have to repent from those sins so we can keep that closeness with God, so we can keep reflecting and not build up a wall between us where God can't penetrate us. So as I was looking this morning, there's in Psalms 32, it has five steps to repentance, five things that we can do. So the first step is to be honest about your need to repent. Right, that's the tough part right there, is to be honest that we have sin in our lives and that we need to repent from it. And you guys talked in Sunday school this morning with Philippians chapter 2 about humbling yourself, right? This is the first step right there. Is you have to humble yourself and realize that you're not perfect, that you've made a mistake, and that you haven't been honoring God. In verse 2 it says... Um, how happy is the man the Lord does not charge with sin, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Right? When you're living in a sinful life, you're being charged with sin. Right? It may not be eternal. If you've been saved, it may not be an eternal damnation, but there's penalties that are going on in your life that that sin is hurting you currently, whether it be relationships, your walk with God, or just the reflecting of God to the people around you. It can be hurting you. So first thing is to be honest about your need to repent. The second thing is acknowledge the danger of sin and the damage of guilt. So in verses um, 3 and 4 there in Psalm 32, it says, When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, and my strength was drained as in the summer's heat. When we're living a sinful life, when we're, we're living in that darkness way, it gets hard, right? You think it'd be easy. It feels like it's easy at times, but the reality is it's really hard. It's a lot of pressure on us, and we're struggling, right? Because we don't have God's love helping us walk through the day because we're doing it alone, right? It, it's just so hard to keep going. And so we have to acknowledge what that sin's causing us. Right? For an alcoholic, they have to admit they have to first admit that they, they need to repent from alcohol and the sin of doing it. 
but they have to acknowledge that what the damage it's doing. Right? That's, and I say that, it's an easy picture that we can all have, right? We've all seen people have struggled with that. But any sin in our life has the same type of repercussions that even alcohol has. Just a different picture of it. But even though things seem fun, and right, I know a lot of people who like to go out and they do their fun stuff and they, they don't mind drinking a little too much here and a little too much there. Right? And they say, it's, they say it's fun, it's a blast. But when you really get to talking to them, they're miserable. Because they do that to forget the pain they're in. And they don't want to admit that they have a problem and that they're struggling and this is really hurting them in the long term. So first they have to be honest and second they have to acknowledge the, the danger of it. And then once they've realized those two things, you have to confess you have to confess that it's a problem. And so in, um, in verse 5, it starts off with, I acknowledged to my, my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. I take it to the Lord. Lord, I've sinned against you. I've put this in front of you. I've created an idol of whatever my sin is and made it more important than spending time with you. And we have to confess that to him and seek forgiveness from him. So we have to be honest, we have to acknowledge it, and we have to confess it. And then we go on in chapter five, uh, in verse 5, it says we need to hide in God. Right? So we need to put ourselves in God. We need to hide in him and let him cover us. It says, you took away the guilt of my sin, Therefore, let everyone who is, faithfully, who is faithful pray to you at the time when you may be found. When the great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Right? So when you're dealing with the sin, if you put yourself in with God and let him protect you from that sin and not take yourself and try to do your own thing, God can protect you when those times come. Right? It's not easy. But through God, you can do a lot of things. So we have to be honest. We have to acknowledge it. We have to confess it. And we have to hide in God and let him be in control of it. And then the last thing is seize the hope. Right? And in verse 10, it says, Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Right? So as we walk through these steps, in the end we have to have hope that Christ is going to do his thing. Uh, we have to know that he can take care of it all and that he will take care of it. Because if we lose that hope, if we lose that, that, that option and we lose track of the fact that we have hope in Christ, then it's going to be so easy to fall back into the sin if we put our hope in something else, right? There's probably a hymn written about that, right? If I could sing it, I probably would. But I would mess it up. Right? Our hope needs to be in Christ as we've done those things, right? As we were honest about our sin. As we admit, acknowledge that it's dangerous in our lives and then we confess it to God and we hide in God that gives us hope. And that's what we need.
is hope that God's going to take care of it all. Hope in this dark world, right? Because it's a dark world. And it's so easy to allow ourselves to be hidden, fall into that dark pattern. Right? We can all admit there's times that even though we have a close walk with God, where we let slip just a little bit and we find ourselves in that darkness hiding in the wrong places and the wrong things. Now it may not be a bad, it may not be super bad in the world's view, but any sin is bad in God's view. Even if the world says, that's okay. It's not that big of a deal. You didn't, you didn't kill anybody. Right? You didn't steal anything, right? That's the world's viewpoint of, of our sin. God's viewpoint is, is, did you do anything that was outside of my will? So that's the standard we have to go with. This is the standard for, for following in light, not what the world says. Right? We can look like very great people in the world, and by following their standards, but we can also look like horrible people in the world to some people because we're following God's standards. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather stand before God following his standards than to stand before him and say, well, the world really liked me. I didn't make people mad. I, I just let them just do their thing and they were okay with it. Now, there are times when we have to stand up and say, this is what God's word says. And we can do it lovingly. I'm not saying we go out and we be hateful and attack people about their sin. I remember in, in New Orleans, we were, we were down there, and there was a, there's a lot of ministry happening in the churches down there, uh, particularly in, on Bourbon Street. You know, we all have, an, have a viewpoint of what Bourbon Street is, the, and it is as sinful as it sounds from what you hear. I'll tell you, there was churches that were doing a major impact in those, in the clubs that were down there, in the strip clubs and stuff. They were women that would go in and share the gospel with those women. And they were hearing it. Um, several of them had gotten saved and got out of that lifestyle because people were willing to go into the darkness and shed light on it. And they were doing a great work. But there were other people that would come down and they would stand on a corner and yell hateful things to them. And that would turn them away from God. All right, so we can share God's light with love and give them the wisdom and, give, and show them the light reflecting in ways that are loving. So I'm not saying go make the world hate you because you want to stand up for God's word. But obey what God says and share his message in a loving way to people. And God's light can shine in this dark, dark, dark world. And today, if you're sitting there and you're in the midst of a dark spell in your life, don't go it alone. All right, seek out God's light. Seek out other Christians that can stand beside you and that can help reveal that light back to you. So it's not a nothing to be ashamed about and going to a brother and sister and saying I'm struggling right because what are the five steps for repentance 
first ones, we have to be honest and acknowledge that we have an issue. So if you're going through darkness in your life and there's something that's pulling you away from God, be honest about it and acknowledge the danger of being away from God so that you can confess it and that you can hide in God and then you can have the hope that you once knew from the very first day of being saved. Let us pray as he comes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for